Hey, Guy, happy anniversary. We're 50 years old. You're 50 years old. I am um, I'm marching to towards this, it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> 50 and I are becoming closely acquainted, but uh, that's chronological. This is the 50th episode of Lunch Hour Legal Marketing for you. It's exciting. Yeah, I'm pretty psyched. It, that, you know what? There's longevity to that. One of the things that we noticed, I talked about why you shouldn't start a legal podcast, is that 84% of podcasts fail in the first six months. And yet here we're, we're still going. We're chugging along. Here we are failing way after that. Way after that. Okay. So for today in the rundown, we're going to cover some news. We're going back to one of my favorite segments, By the Numbers, and then back by popular demand for 2022 Conrad's Crystal Ball. Money makes and welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice. Here on Legal Talk Network. All right. Welcome to 2022, dear listener. Guy and I have a lot to go over today. We found that last year, our most popular show was this show, A Look to the Future. And so today we're going to be talking about what we expect to see in 2022. But as usual, we're going to start with some news. Unfortunately, as of this recording, the news came out that we had hit 1 million COVID infections. And along with that news, when Guy and I were planning on the show, we had been planning to talk about, hey, Legal Week is still on, so go to Legal Week. And this morning we got the notification that Legal Week has been pushed back. And Guy, that, the dates on that for, for Legal Week in New York? The dates for Legal Week, as I understand them from the updated website, which I've now lost. Is March 8th to 11th. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let me try another throw to Guy. Hey, Guy, the other piece of news that we wanted to cover was the vicinity algorithm update spoken intensively by Joe Hawkins from Sterling Sky. When we were planning for the show, you, you said this looks like one of the most significant algo updates. Can you talk about what's going on with the vicinity algorithm update? Yeah, I'm usually kind of a hater on the uh, FUD that us marketing people do on these updates, but this one's actually pretty significant from what I can tell. It's still kind of early. Looks like it started at the end of November, beginning of December. Like uh, Conrad mentioned, check out Joy Hawkins, Sterling Sky, vicinity update. Just search Google, I'm sure it will come up. This is the first real significant action, I guess, that I've seen to reduce the number of firms that show up in local pack that have keywords in the business name field, which has been a huge problem. So I think that's a positive thing from my perspective. So check it out. Hey, Guy, do you know what time it is? I do not. It is time for By the Numbers. All right. So a couple numbers. I want to thank the folks at Justia. They put together a really nice um, by the numbers for 2021. And one of the things that really jumped out at both of us is that the respondents to their 2021 survey, the big number here is 17% are eliminating Google ads from their 2022 marketing plan, which is interesting. 
we'll get to it. But I, you know, I think they also there was a significant number that were going to start Google Ads in 2022, and you know, I, we had talked about this in the prep for the show. That just sounds so like Google Ads and lawyers, right? So you got a bunch of people who tried Google Ads that are like, I'm never doing this again, and a bunch of people who have never tried it who are like, I'm going to try it in 2022. Yeah, I, you know, I think I, I was really surprised to hear that coming from just ES. So 17% dropping out of Google ads. I have my thoughts on why that is. Gee, what are your thoughts? And I suspect we have the same exact thought. Well, I mean, I, you know, I think that a lot of lawyers, like they're not having the economics conversations, whether they're running the ads themselves or they're working with somebody to run the ads, like, you know, one, it's complicated. You know, Google tries to makes it really, we talk about this all the time, but Google makes it super easy to open up an ads account but managing an ad to or a campaign or an account to a positive, a profitable uh, return on ad spend, that's why there's a whole business of people that do that for a living. And even a lot of those folks are not, they struggle to do that consistently. And so, you know, again, at the end of the day, I think it's a results thing, right? People, they go out, broad match, lawyer, run up a bunch of clicks or maybe some calls, but they're not qualified. And uh, those those clicks are expensive. My gut is it's a measuring results plus the overall size of that budget that is, sorry, it's a failure to accurately measure results, right? I suspect the number of law firms that have a really solid understanding of this is my cost per consultation and therefore this makes sense or it doesn't make sense is pretty limited. We're still in the phase of, I, you probably still get this too. How do you know where your clients are coming from? We ask them. Yeah. Okay. Right. So if you're still doing that, like, and if you do that, right, and the answer is the internet, well, that's not Google ads, it's the internet. So what does that really mean? It means nothing. It's There's, there's no clarity on how that money is being spent. And then I look at my biggest marketing spend, eh, it's frequently Google ads, right? Yeah. That your biggest marketing line item goes straight to the Google. So you do that simplistically and you look at things without having an understanding of the economic or having infrastructure to actually measure the economics. And of course that thing gets the bullet, right? Don't right. necessarily think this is a great move for firms. You know, the other thing, Guy, is 11% said they're removing local service ads, right? Yep. That's a, those are big numbers. Yeah, and I think the other thing too, you had alluded to this, but I think it's worth calling out again too, is and we talk about this with lawyers all the time, but you got to lock intake down first because, <laughs> yes, you know, lawyers, especially if you're brand new to advertising, you're like, oh, if I spend money on ads, people will call, they'll leave me a voicemail, they'll send me an email, they'll do real, a lot of things to try to get a hold of me, and they they won't. They're going to bounce right off of that page and if you're not locking intake down, responding quickly, handling intake professionally, helping them find the answer they're looking for, or you know if they're a great fit for your firm, signing them up right there, yeah, no surprise, you paid for a bunch of clicks and you never converted anybody to clients. And this is why, like especially with the LSAs, I have this conversation frequently, should we be investing in LSAs? And the answer is, and I, I don't like this answer, but it is frequently a how well run is your intake how well run is your firm if you are a smooth smoothly oiled the answer smooth smooth oil smoothly oiled smoothly this like oiled a, this sounds like a suntan lotion uh advertisement if you are a well-oiled machine there now i'm not mixing my metaphors if you're a well-oiled machine lsas might work really well for you right, right? but if you are just starting out and half of the time you don't answer the phone when it rings 
Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not a good move. Hey, well, and look, ads aren't right for everybody. You know, I was just having this conversation with a lawyer on LinkedIn. You know, he's talking about uh, referrals, and look, referrals are amazing. Like, you should definitely have. You should be building relationships, marshalling the evidence of your great reputation for client service and competence as a lawyer. And if your firm is running and you're growing and hitting your growth objectives and your lifestyle objectives without advertising, fantastic. The ads are not, they're just not for everybody. They're not, it depends on how your firm's built. It depends on, we talk about this all the time, where are you trying to go? What are your objectives? But, you know, incrementally, you know, it's very difficult to scale referrals, right? Um, that's not to say you can't do it, but it's a different ballgame. And the other thing too is, it's not ads versus referrals. That's the other one that drives me nuts. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm a referral-based business. We don't do advertising. Okay, fine. Or I'm an advertising business. Should I be get, trying to generate referrals? Like, what? Why is this? Why are you trying to fight these? these they should be working together. And guess what? A good ad campaign that has some good retargeting in place, fantastic way to have those referral relationships and advertising working together to amplify your reputation for being a great lawyer. I mean, the only reason you really shouldn't be thinking about referrals is if you have deliberately chosen to be a high volume, low cost, bad experience provider. Right. Or you're a jerk and no one in your community <laughs> likes you, right? So it's like no one's going to refer to you. <laughs> With the self-identifying jerks, please step forward. Totally. Um, okay. But, but going along those lines, you were talking about like not spending money on these things. One of the things that I got out of uh, Tim Stanley's, by the way, Tim Stanley at Justy is one of one of my favorite people in this in this industry. He is also, just like Ian and myself, a rabid Michigan fan. So the three of us are going to commiserate over last week's horrendous performance on the gridiron. That is a different conversation. But 55% of the participants to Tim's survey said they're spending less than 5% of their revenue on marketing. Was that right? What, sh sh I'm kind of aghast at that. Are you surprised, Guy? No, this keeps coming up. I mean, you know, we're going to talk um, the ABA's 2021 tech report uh, related to web marketing too. You know, having a budget is a business thing. And for, you know, here we are, and we've made progress, right? But, you know, we're not having the conversations that we had in 2007, 2008, where it's like, I don't really know if people are going to use the internet to hire lawyers like me. Like we made progress from there, but like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's time to grow up. Like you want to know why you got, you see all these reports, lawyers are struggling, revenues down. And like, yes, I get it. There's a lot of impact of COVID and, and that kind of thing. No question. But how can we be surprised at all when we see that the overwhelming majority, you know, number one, as we're talking about the tech report, which you check this out too, the ABA tech report, you can go just search that and it'll come up. But the most lawyers, they don't even have a marketing budget. They're like, marketing budget? What's that? And then those that do, the budget, you know, it's a very small budget based on the fees that they're generating. And then of course, there's like, I got no budget, but I actually put a plan together for my goals in 2022 and it's massive, right? Goals are up. Budgets down. That's the classic annual planning session. Champagne taste with a Michelob budget. <laughs> Michelob. I haven't heard that in a while. I, I was trying to come up with a bad relic of a beer, and I came up with Michelob. Sorry for those of you. Is that from Wisconsin? I can't, I can't remember. I don't remember either. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've talked about this a lot in the past. Like, know where you want to go and make sure that you have enough 
gas in the tank to actually get there, right? Start yeah. with that. Uh, yeah. we're, we're talking to a lot of law firms right now. Beginning of the year, what are your plans for 2022? We want to grow. Good. How much? Yeah, it looks like there's one thing they are spending money on because as the tech report showed us, uh, from in 2018, only 77% of respondents said they even had a website, and that's up to 94%. So, hey, a bunch of people between eight, 2018 and 2021 decided finally, hey, now now's a good time to get a website. <laughs> and 20% of you still have your website from 2018. <laughs> right. And no, and sadly, a lot of those lawyers who finally were like, okay, I get it. The internet's a thing. It's actually happening. And I can't actually see people in person. So I better have some kind of web presence. Now they're going to they're gonna go through the evolution of, oh, I set up a website. So now I can just sit and wait for the phone to ring, right? That's yeah. what happens next after you launch your first website. And you can't wait for the phone to ring. So again, coming out of the ABA, 17% of law firms, I think this is, this is a, a positive number, but 17% of law firms said consultations, you can book consultations available through the website. And why is that positive? <laughs> it's a lot higher than I would have thought to be blunt. Okay, so that you're just more of a measure of your cynicism than anything now, else. Now, uh, on the other side of that is like, hey guys, there's this thing called COVID where we're not supposed to be hanging out in a room together. So if you're not in that 17%, what are you doing? Well, but, I think that, but I think this one was, this is be able to book a consultation. So this isn't even like actually have it. This is book it. Like you can't even book, like you come to the website and it's like, I can't even schedule a consultation with your website. Like what's a, yeah. it just has a, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe it's not fair because maybe they're talking about like, well, if you have your phone number listed, then maybe that's your ability to book a consultation. But well, I guess in all fairness, like there's a lot of vetting that frequently needs to be done before, like in many cases, you want to have that front desk vetting those consultations. So you're not yeah, but you, I mean, really you can do that time. and still capture the contact, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. come on. 37% of a blog. <laughs> yes. 37% uh, of firms have a blog. I'm going to guess 90% of you haven't written anything interesting in that blog in the last six months. Well, and many of those probably have written nothing because they're outsourcing the blog oh. to somebody else. <laughs> well, I was we just saying because you said you written no. about our super lawyers win last, you know, four years ago. Is that important to blog about? <laughs> right. I had only twelve percent of solos. So solos, which is, I thought that was kind of interesting because I thought that, that's surprisingly that, low. Yeah, because legal blogging was kind of like you know kicked off by a lot of solos, essentially. In my experience with it. I mean, there are a couple firm lawyers who had been doing that, but most of the legal bloggers that I've known over the last 15 years, they're solos and small. So yeah, but LinkedIn, everybody's on LinkedIn, 87% on LinkedIn. And I'm surprised that's the one where I'm surprised it's that low. How are you a professional? You know, it's interesting. LinkedIn launched a series of ads really focused on professionals. And it was, this came out over the Christmas holidays. If you look at those ads, what LinkedIn is really trying to do is trying to it's an aspirational ad saying you are professional. Basically, no matter if you have a job, you're a professional and therefore you belong on LinkedIn. So for the 13% of lawyers who are definitionally a professional, you're in a professional profession and you don't have that LinkedIn profile, I have to ask, what, what are you doing? What rock are you living under? No, they're the same people. I have a referral base, word of mouth business. No, but like that's the, the whole point. Like, the, like the, so the beauty of LinkedIn. So, so if that's you, 
in the unlikely event that you don't have a LinkedIn profile and you listen to a podcast on marketing for Carl, who's the only person who fits into that uh, specific Venn diagram, LinkedIn is killer for name search, right? SEO, name search, LinkedIn, it is a great place when people get that offline referral to vet you online, which happens all the time. So get the on LinkedIn. All right, let's take a break. Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or even offline ads. CallRail tells you which channels drive your best leads. CallRail even integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments. Know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com slash lunch hour now and try it for free. And we're back. So we have asked, we, we always ask for reviews. We want to hear feedback. But last time, as the smart aleck that I am, I asked for an indifferent review. And thank you for this wonderful, totally indifferent review. I get a ton of really valuable information from the podcast. It's been helpful as I'm starting my own firm. But then again, if it didn't exist, I guess I could just do some research and find out what I need to know some other way. It would be tedious, but maybe not that bad. Pineapple Law via Apple Podcasts. Thank you, Pineapple Law. And frankly, that was more than indifferent. Uh, that was very kind. <laughs> I like this review. And and I think it's actually, at the risk of stretching too far, it's not like there's a lack of this content to be found on the web. And in the same way that there's not a lack of content to be found on your whatever specific practice area you have, no matter how niche you think you are, there is tons of content on that on the web. The question is, are people reading your content instead of someone else's. That's the key. That's the real trick here. So Pineapple Law, I don't know where you're from, but thank you for sending us an amusing, totally indifferent review. Right. And of course, if you've got a review, indifferent, hopefully positive, and even if it's not great, please do leave it. And uh, you can also hashtag LHLM, let us know what you think. Twitter, places where hashtags work. We're here to listen. We want your feedback. Thank you. And now we're going to move into the Legal Trends Report Minute, brought to you by Clio. So we're going to talk client intake. Uh, this is from the Trends Report. You know, similar to data that they report in 2018, traditional forms of communication remain the top preferences among clients when at the first stages of a legal matter. So phone comes in 71%, kind of a no-brainer. I think everybody knows that. In-person, 71%. And so, and again, we're talking just when they initially reach out to a law office with email and text coming in at 59% and 53% as alternatives. And so, you know, I mean, look, I think that we talked about this before, but it's not as simple to say like remote everything, right? Some people want to still see you where you can safely. It's interesting though to see texting to me jumping up so much, right? Over half of people prefer text. I mean, that is, I will go so far to say, I, I mean, the video thing is a no brainer. 
the text thing is surprise. It, it is surprising and yet not surprising. Let me put it this way. If you have not had a significant interaction with a prospective client over text, maybe you're not being available in the way that your prospective clients want you to be available. Um, because there are lots of anecdotes as you talk to each other, talk to each other about the prospective clients that you're talking to over text. It is very, very prevalent. And I would really encourage you to think about like, if that's not part of your communication strategy with the prospect, you're probably missing some of those prospects because people like to communicate that way. It's weird to me, but that doesn't matter. You're old. Uh, I'm old. Right. I'm knocking on 50, as we said. <laughs> uh, and when it comes to a first meeting or consultation, the most standout takeaway from the survey data is that video conferencing ranked very highly among consumers. In-person, 76%, uh, still the most commonly preferred. Phone, 70%. Next most common video conferencing at 58%. You know, maybe it's a standout takeaway. I'm not entirely surprised as uh, we've moved into this uh, pandemic mode here. But it is a shift. You know, certainly I think they're what they're calling out here is a shift from the 2018 data. Um, but at this stage in the legal matter, real-time communication, the opportunity for quick back and forth communication is likely most important. While many still seek traditional formats for communication, video conferencing has quickly become a strong alternative for many clients. And, you know, we see this, we, we're big on video conferencing. To learn more about these opportunities and much more for free, download Clio's Legal Trends Report at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O. All right. This is the time that we're really here to talk about, which is Conrad's crystal ball, the return. Conrad, do you have your crystal ball out? I do. I'm firing it up. I'm plugging it into the USB socket <laughs> that is required to make it tell me the future. But as I gaze into the future, Guy, what do we see here? Oh no, it's a freight train. It's not a crystal ball. We're in a tunnel and it is a freight train coming straight towards us. Okay, so the first thing as I think through the crystal ball of 2022, this is gonna sound like a professor, but there are a whole bunch of exogenous macroeconomic factors that are really gonna impact the economy as a whole. We talked about COVID crossing a million cases uh, that came out yesterday. The supply chain issues, are going to persist. COVID is going to continue to mess up the supply chain. Inflation is going to have to be dealt with, right? Fed is going to be hiking interest rates. There's going to be the pre-election cycle gong show of 2023. So there are a lot of things that have nothing. <laughs> yeah, we may need to keep that gong show around for all of this year as the year kind of progresses. But there's there's a lot of things that are going on that have nothing to do with the practice of law that are going to impact the practice of law. And so strap in, right? I was wondering, Guy, when we were talking about the um, move towards away from advertising, right? Away from Google Ads and away from the LSAs, are people just getting nervous about more chaos in 2023, right? I I don't know. Well, I think I mean, look, that's that's the standard move, right? When things are uncertain, business owner, you know, recessions is a classic thing, the Harvard Business Review. People pull marketing dollars, right? It's the first thing to cut. And it's like 
Also, the worst idea, because you know, as we've talked about, we'll have to put a link to the episode that we talked about this. But you know, if everybody's doing that, that's a great opportunity for you to take advantage of more market share. A hundred percent. So yeah, we do need to find that episode. We did a great episode and we I think we took data from Mike Ramsey. And he was talking about how pay-per-click, the people who stuck it through when COVID initially hit were cleaning up because the market forces, so many people got out, simple supply and demand, they did so much better. So, I mean, we are, (laughs) this segment brought to you by Google Ads, just kidding. But, you know, we're aggressive marketers, so we think these ways, but it's really interesting. I I'm wondering how opportunistic 2023 will be for people. But what else is going on, Guy? What what do you see coming up in 2023 that has to do with the practice of law and not necessarily kind of just mad gong show chaos? Well, you know, the positive side, I mean, I agree with a lot of the mad gong show chaos, but, you know, I think that the, to try to find the silver lining is that it's forced, we've talked about this before, but it's forced a lot of lawyers to evolve. And so, you know, early on it was, how can I start delivering services without meeting people on it? You know, if you're still standing now, you've hopefully solved that problem. Carolyn Elephant posted a question on Facebook about, you know, if, hey, and we're going to say this and it's going to oversimplification, so disclaimer, disclaimer. But, you know, if you had to start a practice right now, what kind of models would you be thinking, business models would you be thinking about? What kind of practice areas would you be thinking about? I thought that was a great question. There were a lot of great responses. If you're connected with Carolyn, you should go check that out on Facebook. But, you know, the other side of that coin is, is that there, it's because people are in there, you know, there's going to be a lot of stress. So what's stress do? Stress puts stress on marriages, right? So if you're a family law attorney, if you're a virtual family law attorney, I think that that might be an opportunity. I, I was thinking bankruptcy, although we've been talking about bankruptcy, there are some yeah. issues with access to actually processing bankruptcies that are probably slowing that down. But that that's, I think, on the horizon for a lot of businesses. I mean, if you're in the, uh, I still think, if, especially supply chain, if you're in the restaurant bankruptcy business, that's still on the table. Not to use a terrible pun there. Um, but, you know, I think it's, <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of these things are still coming up. And that's, you know, it's, being a smart business owner is about understanding the conditions uh, on the ground. But you know, look, I, I don't think that any of this, I don't think anything's going anywhere over the next year. You know, I think we're still lawyers are getting more sophisticated. You see a lot of lawyers that are expanding. You see a lot of you know big firms that are breaking into new markets. The competition level, from my perspective, hasn't really gone down in, in any respect. But I, I do think there's been a really good influx of information, coaching, help, and lawyers have, they're making that evolution to adapt to the environment, which is good. I think the competition, while it hasn't gone down, it is heated up specifically because more and more firms are becoming more business oriented, right? And I have my very strong bias on this that more and more firms are getting a really solid understanding of their costs, their effectiveness, the efficiency of how they run, how quickly they get back to people. So as I look into 2022, the ability for CRM systems and actionable business data to improve the way firms are running is just immense. And I would say if you do not have a CRM strategy. And, and there's another part to CRM. It's it's building that database of, of prospective. Cl- so we talked about this a little bit before. 
to me, CRM does two things. One, it helps you develop data on how you are running and, and therefore to run more smoothly. But two, it builds a database full of prospective clients, right? And as privacy becomes more and more prevalent on the web, ironically, as there a bigger switch towards privacy, figuring out how to engage with prospective clients even before they actually need you and build them into your database, which is part of your CRM strategy, that's going to be a huge leg up for some firms. And I don't think many firms are thinking about this. Yeah, so I'm glad you said that because I was going to challenge you. I agree with you aspirationally. I think that there's a huge opportunity there. And I think that if, we, if we're going to say anything tactical here, it's the message of get opt-in, get permission from people to send them emails, get them in your CRM, nurture those relationships, no doubt. But you know, when we're talking about like, do I see that coming in 2020? I mean, I know that you and I are going to be trying to persuade folks to move that direction. But you look at the Clio Legal Trends Report, that's one of the biggest issues is that firm owners don't have insight into even just like basics, like revenue, but all, this, all the things that we talk about that CRM solves. And so on the one hand, I think it's a huge opportunity. I hope lawyers are taking advantage of that. Call me cynical about it, but I, the gap is big. So big opportunity. Will it happen in 22? I don't know. But um, it's definitely something that we've been talking about and will continue to push. Well, the gap's big, but my take is that the gap is going to get even bigger for those firms who don't jump in, right? Oh, right. I, I meant the gap of the, the firms that, you know, I, I can't remember what the number was, but it was like less than half have any yeah. visibility at all at all into the, some of the things that CRM uh, provides but you know but they, they Cleo's been talking there there's been big adoption you know the, first, the point here let's use this they've demonstrated their data their respondents showed that the firms that are growing are the ones that are adopting CRM and, and 100% technology. yeah and like let's use your buddy's example Matt over at Lawmatics they raised a whole bunch of money on this premise right oh, this totally. is a very real thing a very real thing so, oh yeah, I mean, I mean, look, we we know it, it's a it it really can be a game changer for your business in so many different. I mean, we should do a whole episode on CRM, really. I okay. There you go. I'll, There's our prognostication. To, We're going to do a CRM episode. <laughs> yes. This next episode brought to you by Salesforce, Clio Grow, and HubSpot, and Lawmatics, and Lawmatics. Sorry, <laughs> and Lawmatics. Yeah, I mean, so that that's one thing, and and the. The other thing that I look at into the future, and this is really inspired, this, you and I talked about our favorite episode. We had the same favorite episode, which was the episode with Aaron Levine. But if I want to connect all these dots together, Aaron Levine's Hello Divorce was about helping, it, it starts with the premise that a lot of people can do it yourself. And when you assist people in the do it yourself, the first steps in their legal path, whatever that might be, boom. You have now created a relationship with that person that you can continue to market to. And I would really challenge all of you listening to think about what are the things that I can do to help that DIY with a, it's the legal assist model that then that, that person turns into someone that I can continue a relationship with. And that's what Aaron has done masterfully. Those types of models and those types of engagements are going to continue to become more and more effective in the legal marketing realm. That's my perspective. It's such a great example to me of, like lawyers know this, right? Like the word of mouth referral lawyer, they're like, I don't use technology. I don't use the internet. I'm a word of mouth referral lawyer. It's just people that know me. 
I send them you know, holiday cards. I see them in the community. Like that's my whole game plan. The funny thing is that's exactly what CRM is. It just allows you to do that in a more organized and from the comfort of your own home and on the regular and mindful and intentional way. And than scalable. Just scalable, that's it, you know, thank you. Then just like, oh, you have an epiphany that you need to go to, you know, your local networking thing, right? So um, it's just one of those examples of where it's like, lawyers have known this stuff forever, but then you hear something like, client relationship management software. And you're like, oh, I don't know. That sounds like outside, but that's exactly what it does. Guy, are we going to see a Michigan win this year? In 2022? Yeah. Yeah, we'll see a, a win or two. I mean. Maybe you, myself, and uh, Tim Stanley from Justia should get together and watch watch the game together. I'm just worried Harbaugh's going back to the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Anywho, thank you, dear listeners, for sticking with us for another episode and hopefully full year of Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. As always, if you just landed on this, never heard of it before, please do subscribe, sign up, whatever you do these days for podcasting, and send us feedback. Hashtag LHLM. Uh, You can leave us a review. And Leave us an indifferent you, review. You can email us and you can call Conrad's cell phone number, which is just kidding. <laughs> Thanks so much. Key and Conrad, Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, out. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.